thousand sunsets from ten thousand morning, ten thousand chances to live the right way. But I would trade all my ten thousand sunsets. I could be like Jesus for one single day. I'd walk on the water and heal the sick children, feed all the hungry, give sight to the blind. I'd turn all the cannons and guns into flowers, turn all the whiskey to sacrament wine. That's what I'd do. That's what I'd do. Ten million stars are shining above. But I would trade all of my ten thousand rainbows. I could be like Jesus and give all my love. I'd remind the people that hate is an evil thing. Laugh at the children and tell them a tale. Welcome back to the Two Spaz Report. I'm Mike Bennett. It's finally time again for one of our regular end-of-month live surveillance field reports with our good friend, Agent Adam. Glad Hello, to have you back. Glad to have you back on the show. Thank you. It's good to be back. Hello, everyone. Yeah. Um, we had to skip our monthly field report last month due to your hosting and production duties of your annual Strange Realities Conference at the beginning of this month. Regular listeners to this show will know you produce a weekly popular podcast called Conspiranormal, but can you fill us in on how this latest edition of your Strange Realities Conference went down? And I would like to ask you, did you get the idea of the conference from whoever was the guy who made that Strange Reality shirt that you're wearing? Do they know, the guys that made that, do they know that you're doing these conferences? I, I think they do. Do they? Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I'm 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 pretty certain that they that they know. Okay, all right. Well, it's nice yeah. you did that in honor of them. So, right, right, right. So, what yeah. were the cataclysmic things that happened during the conference? Uh well, I think that um, the best part of the conference is that it wasn't cataclysmic, and that uh, we had a really good handle on what we were doing and uh, how we were doing it. Um, I mean, we've done we do this thing with strange realities the last three years that we've done um it's kind of like a simultaneous thing where it's live in nashville and then also streamed online uh, the place that we do it um allows us to do that mm-hmm. so um in the last two years before there were some struggles and issues but this year we kind of it was more of a pl- plug and play type of thing and we mm. We knew that we were doing. We had a couple of snafus, but nothing really big yeah. that affected anything really. 
And um, as far as uh, the uh, speakers at the conference, everything went smooth. Everybody's uh, presentations were really, really good. You got to see a few of the presentations mm -hmm. because you came on Friday and on Saturday. What do you think were some of the more significant findings and points people made there? Um, well, I can tell you what I was probably pretty impressed with was... You know, I, I really liked Zach Hunt's um, presentation that he did. Um, I enjoyed Ren Collier's presentation. Um, there were quite a few people that, you know, I think really uh, knocked it out of the park as far, as far as their presentation. Is there a way for people to get access to... Yeah, so um, if they were to contact me, just Adam Sane, S-A-Y-N-E, on Facebook, if they wanted to get... Uh, you know, a, a way to view the conference, I can uh, help set that up so they can contact mm -hmm. me is probably the best way. You know, the other thing... And also, conspiranormal at gmail.com is, uh, is our email. So if anybody wants to send us... Conspiranormal at gmail.com. Yeah. Well, the other thing that I like that you've done with your presentations is how you etched them on those gold plates that were put on those satellites that were sent out outside the solar right, system with right. the little images of the yeah. man and the woman. yeah. Yeah, I think that's a good they way to preserve that, it. They didn't know that was about Strange Realities Conference at the time. Yeah, well, I mean, they're going to judge... Whenever all, they did that in the 70s. Whatever humans are, based yeah. upon what they find from Strange Realities yeah. Conference. Yeah, oh, that would be great. I mean, it would definitely be a lasting legacy, that's for sure. Yeah. Well, um, you have a very different story to share with us today, and I am interested to see where you're going to take it. From what little, very little I know about it, it pertains to McDonald's of all things, inflation and economic malaise. But in your eyes, the story is really sort of a meta story about the circumstances of the story's popularity itself, right? Yes. Okay. Well, can I begin with just a little preamble? Sure. Uh, in my own ignorance of the topic, this is something just to enrich the listener and ourselves. Let me just add, did your peers in elementary school ever seen a parody of the old McDonald's theme like in the very ancient days like when I was in school do you remember that uh, I don't remember that because I mean that could have been in your time maybe not in mine well in my time you know we didn't have the internet or video games to keep us occupied back then so this is the best well, we could I come mean, up I, with when I was growing up I didn't have the internet either so that or <laughs> dancing the Virginia reel maybe you yeah. know the Charleston, right? That's, that's, right, the Charleston. Yeah. Well, um, anything from the 1890s. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we rode those bicycles with the big wheels in front. Uh, their McDonald's long-lasting jingle and slogan, McDonald's is your kind of place, goes way back into the 1960s and was ubiquitous on TV growing up, at least for me. Uh, when I was in elementary school in the early 70s, we sang playground songs that modified popular commercials or songs of the day. Because, again, we didn't have social media. Uh, and I don't know how they got passed around like folklore. For example, the bleach-based bathroom cleaner Comet. You're familiar with Comet? Yes. Little canisters. Uh, we had a song that we sang, and it went like this. It went, Comet will make your breath so clean. Comet will make your teeth turn green. Comet will make you vomit, so try some Comet and vomit today. 
Have you have you ever heard that? No, I haven't. But uh, it sounds like it's a takeoff of the uh, well, why? the whistle from Bridge of the on the River Kwai. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Well, I don't know why I remember the last time I sang that was in <clears throat> elementary school, and it came to mind for this segment. And actually, right before we did this, I looked on the Comet product Wikipedia page. And I was surprised in the in the very scant blurb that it had about it, a big section was about songs like this, about Comet, uh, which often had a lot of regional variations. Now, they did notice to finally answer that. It was Colonel Bogey's March, which, again, was from yeah. the, the movie and elsewhere. And some of the alternative lyrics in different parts of the country was, Comet, it tastes like gasoline. Comet, it makes your insides clean. Which, you know, this stuff that would probably be banned if it was online at the time. But um, they also parodied popular songs of the time. Um, I remember one particular, there was a time where there was this tearjerker song on the radio called Seasons in the Sun. It was based on an old European uh, song. And uh, it was popular at the time. And also Streaking was a real popular fad at the time. Mm-hmm. And so I remember when we were in school, this, this song went... Uh, we had joy, we had fun, we were streakers in the sun. But the cops, they had guns, and they shot us in the buns. I don't know if you that other song rings a bell with you. No. It has some good imagery uh, to it. Now, back to the McDonald's thing. I do remember the streak by, was it Ray Stevens? The, yes, yes. Well, it, you know, they actually had a streaker run in front of David Niven on the Academy Awards. Yeah, yeah, I don't know if you remember yeah. that. Um now, the McDonald's theme, which was the most famous one of all in schools at the time, uh, it, at least in my part of the country, the song went like this. It said, uh, McDonald's is your kind of place, hamburgers in your face, french fries between your toes, dill pickles up your nose, and don't forget our chocolate shakes. They come from polluted lakes. McDonald's <laughs> is your kind of place. Yeah. Now, if anybody listening is of my age, I, hopefully that will take them back to their elementary school days um i also found out that there are many regional variants of that song including using the phrase we serve you rattlesnakes but i think that my favorite alternative line i've heard in some parts of the country was the last time that i was there they fried my underwear mcdonald's is your kind of place so i hope i hope that was educational but what i wanted to just show is that mcdonald's is really a fundamental part of american culture uh, whether you like the food or not, and maybe even a barometer of the state of the American spirit. Now, when I was growing up, that was all we could afford to eat out, and it was then even on a very rare occasion. And uh, when we were growing up, and while I don't eat it normally now, when I have to go take a long drive at nighttime, I find a, just a humble McDonald's cheeseburger and fries, just like humble comfort food. That's easy to eat in the car. In fact, we used to have to eat it before there were drink holders. If you Do you remember that when there weren't drink holders in cars? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Then they invented these little things that you'd hang on the edge of your window to put them into drinks. Um, and it, it reminds a lot of us of a very simpler time. So, given the importance of this institution in America, I hope that narrative lifted you and the audience intellectually and spiritually and warmed you up for the following story. So lay lay it on us, Adam, and take your time and share it slowly for slow thinkers like myself. Yeah. So um, 
just to say something about this real quick, you know, McDonald's is something that is very ubiquitous in American culture. I mean, the golden arches are a huge symbol, you know. And the rest of the world, too. For the rest of the world. And people, you know, they think about America. um, McDonald's and America almost kind of go together in this kind of weird way. But uh, also, a good movie to watch is The Founder with Michael Keaton about Ray A. Kroc. Yeah, 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 Uh, yeah. So if you really want to, you know, that's a good movie to understand some of the, you know, the, the pitfalls of American capitalism. Right, and, right. You know, if you, I don't know if you've seen that, but that's a very good, no. very good movie. You know, I'm more of a White Castle guy. Yeah. And I still haven't seen uh, Harold and Kumar go to White Castle. But, um, but tell us something here that's the dark side that mcdonald's is on the periphery of something even bigger right right so this is from uh this is an article from that caught my eye the other day and this is i'm getting there sorry from the the conspiracy that conspiracy rag the washington post yeah i've never heard of it uh so this is to to preamble this this is not particularly about McDonald's or cheeseburgers or anything, but we'll kind of get to the point of what this really is about. But it's something common that everybody relates to, and that's partly right. what helps spread right. it. Right, that's what hardly, partly what spread it, yeah. yeah. The viral $16 McDonald's meal that may explain voter anger at Biden. As some Democrats fear social media is exaggerating economic problems, the White House faces a crucial choice on election strategy. Okay. On December 20th, 2022, Topher Olive went to a McDonald's in the town of Post Falls, Idaho, and ordered a limited edition smoky double quarter pounder BLT with fries and a Sprite. The meal cost $16.10, and he posted the receipt on TikTok. Even though he had ordered a novelty item, Olive's video about a $16 McDonald's order went viral, racking up hundreds of thousands of views. After a McDonald's revenue report recently, the same post went viral again earlier this month with at least a half dozen news outlets, including the Washington Examiner, the New York Post, and Newsmax. And should I add, this article is from this month, November. Picking up the story of Olive's pricey patty. One YouTube video from this month with a 2 million views inaccurately describes it as a Big Mac meal that costs $16. Posts on Reddit, the conservative site Twitchy, and elsewhere tied the cost to President Biden's economic management. Mm-hmm. Inflation, the theory went, has gotten so out of control that the price of a fast food burger was approaching $20. These stories soon reached the White House Office of Digital Strategy, which tra- tracked the meme as one of many exaggerated examples of the nation's economic woes, according to a White House official speaking on the condition of anonymity to reflect internal discussions. In reality, reflation has been steadily subsiding, and last week the government reported price hikes had eased yet again in October. The average Big Mac nationally as of this summer cost $5.58, up from $4.89, or roughly $0.70, before Biden took office, according to an index maintained by The Economist. That's up more than 10%, but it's not $16. And yet, one anomalous price from one store in Idaho 11 months ago was ripping through people's social media feeds as if it explained the entire economy. One Democratic official who spoke on the condition of anonymity to describe private conversations said, 
What are we supposed to do? Tell the president or Chuck Schumer to send a tweet saying, hey, most Big Macs aren't that expensive? It would look ridiculous. A spokesperson from McDonald's did not return a request for comment. Or probably should they. Mm-hmm. The Big Mac conundrum reflects what Biden aides and senior Democrat Democratic officials regard as one of their most vexing challenges ahead of the 2024 presidential election. Even as inflation has fallen to a manageable 3%, and although the labor market has remained hot amid strong growth, voters still don't like the economy and they blame the president. Overcoming this discontent and understanding what is driving it has become a, a central priority of the White House and Democratic lawmakers, leading to a fierce debate among economists, pollsters, and other experts. As the administration tries to figure out how to improve its economic message, White House Chief of Staff Jeff Seitz has held internal meetings over the last several weeks with top communications and economic officials. According to two people familiar with internal matters speaking on the condition of anonymity to describe the discussions, a White House spokeswoman declined to comment. Former President Donald Trump has made ridiculing Biden's economic performance one of his main campaign messages, raising the stakes for the White House even more. The administration continues to be torn over how to respond to the negative polling. On the one hand, administration officials say Biden deserves more credit for his economic accomplishments. A booming job market, substantial wage increases for low-income workers, rapid economic growth, that they say are the result of his 2021 economic stimulus and other legislative measures. Americans won't give Biden credit for these accomplishments if the president and his allies don't talk about them, many strategists and party officials argue. When asked about young voters' economic frustrations with the president by CNBC on Monday, Treasury Secretary Janet, Janet Yellen said, I'm aware of this, of that, and I think it's our job to explain to Americans what President Biden has done to improve the economy. And yet some aides are uneasy about pushing Biden to cheerlead for the economy in a way that appears disconnected from the public's frustrations. White House officials are quick not to dismiss the pain of inflation, which Yellen emphasized. Monday, too, and some voters regard the suggestion that they simply do not appreciate their circumstances as elitist and condescending. Rather than risk appearing out of touch, some pollsters and other Democrats maintain Biden should do more to concentrate on criticizing large corporations and Republicans for making average Americans' economic circumstances worse. There's a huge divide internally about whether we're going to claim success or try to draw a contrast with Republicans, said one Democratic consultant who has pushed White House officials to stop touting economic accomplishments and instead hammer the GOP's economic plans. The official spoke on the condition of anonymity to reflect private conversations. I don't know how long we can keep doing this and expect a different result. At the center of this debate is a dispute over to what extent social media perceptions, rather than real conditions in the economy, are fueling voters' angst. There is at least some evidence that the digital world is painting a bleaker picture than the statistics support. Brendan Gahan, a digital marketing consultant, said that data from TikTok shows conversation around hashtag economy collapsing reached a fever pitch this month, past month and generated tens of millions of views, even as inflation markedly cooled, Man. growth remained robust, and unemployment stayed near record lows. TikTok abounds with misleading or inaccurate information about the economy. One video in September with 2.3 million views said there was a silent depression. Another video from this summer with 2.1 million views claimed incorrectly We have the lowest purchasing power we have ever had in American history and asserted 
that inflation-adjusted wages are lower than they were then. Disposable income per capita is, in fact, more than five times larger than it was in 1930, adjusted for inflation. A third video with 1.8 million views similarly falsely claimed, we currently are making less than at the height of the Great Depression. TikTok and YouTube have dozens of videos of this kind making similarly false claims. I'd say it's probably in the thousands, not dozens. Mm -hmm. Brian Hanley, CEO of Bullish Studios, a financial media company that works with content creators, said that it is going to be difficult for Biden to overcome this narrative no matter how many charts and numbers aides provide. We live in a reply guy world and dunking on people, including the president, is what's going to get even more engagement and more engagement equals more money, Hanley said. Some economists think these kinds of comments are not just wrong, but dangerous. They have been astounded by polling data on Biden's economic approval and surveys of customer consumer sentiment, where results during the Biden administrations are similar to the Great Recession, when unemployment was close to three times as high as it is now. These economists fear that these exaggerated stories will ultimately lead to a worse outcome, perhaps helping Trump win re-election, and that it is vital to make clear that this remains by many measures one of the best recoveries of modern U.S. history. Mm -hmm. They also express confusion over why consumers continue to spend so heavily if the pessimism is driven by economic insecurity. The White House official said the administration is working with TikTok creators to tell positive stories of Biden's economic stewardship, while also working with social media platforms to counter misinformation. Folks have brought, bought burgers at the wrong price throughout the history of time, and that includes economists. At all other times, we would look at our burger and our bill and say, wow, I wish I'd done more addition and subtraction, said Justin Wolfers, an economist at the University of Michigan. At the present moment, though, we instead say, wow, I hate this economy. Folks are viewing everything they buy through that lens. Will Stansel, a research fellow at the Institute of Metropolitan Opportunity, said the problem goes far beyond TikTok, pointing out the media also focuses disproportionately on negative views. He said that Republican voters turned on the economy as soon as Biden was elected, hardly a sign of underlying conditions. It's not a conspiracy theory, Sansel argued, to believe the media ecosystem has warped people's views, particularly given how hard it is to assess nationwide economic conditions from one's own personal experience. This has a lot to do with the social media and social and media environment that young people live in. People's ideas of things like the economy, which they can't experience directly, are being constructed from what they're learning from other people. It's being constructed from what you hear from your peers, trusted sources, and the news media and so forth, Stansel said, arguing that while people can have their own experiences of the economy, they cannot individually form a comprehensive picture of it. People begin to incorporate that into their worldview. And yet other experts and even some Democratic officials see political danger in this approach, in part because voter discontent even if prone to occasional rhetorical excess, especially on the internet, is driven by real deterioration in people's conditions. Inflation has subsided, but price hikes continue and wages remain below their pre-pandemic trajectory. With the expiration of trillions of dollars in COVID aid and the resumption of evictions and student loan payments, millions of voters suddenly see worse financial circumstances than they did a year ago. In fact, from 2015 to 2021, more than half of the country saw their disposable income increase relative to the prior year. But with inflation and the disappearance of COVID aid, that number has flipped. In 2022, at the same time voters soured on the economy, close to 60% of people saw their income decline relative to last year, according to Matt Bruning, founder of the People's Policy Project, a think tank that supports expansion of the welfare state. 
The insistence that the economy is just obviously good and that grievances against it are necessarily rooted in bad motivations, our perpetual goalpost moving is really just lazy punditry bruning wrote. So this is the opposite mm-hmm. viewpoint here. Other issues are also feed economic frustration, high interest rates that to put the dream of home ownership out of reach for millions, rising rents for everyone else, and persistently high grocery prices, among other factors. As inflation has ebbed, wages have begun rising slightly faster than prices, but compared with the trajectory before the pandemic, wages adjusted for inflation are well below where they would have been according to calculations by Joseph Jason Furman, a Harvard economist who served as a top Obama administration official. The number fluctuates depending on which pre-pandemic years are used for the comparison. Uh, I'm going to stop there, I think. Because it goes on to talk, just a few more paragraphs. It goes on to talk about, uh, uh, Jason, Jordan Ole, content creator and progressive activist, said it's no surprise that TikTok, populated disproportionately by younger people and people who work for hourly wages, captures dissatisfaction, dissatisfaction right. with the economy. Okay. Um, all right. Because I want to make sure that I can get my own kind of commentary on this. Okay. Um, so this article is it, it has both kind of points of view in it. Um, it kind of gives you another point of view in that there are real issues and there are real problems. Um, people really are hurting. Um, but how much of that is because of perception as opposed to actuality or actual real life and i have some notes here that i kind of wanted to talk about and just like discuss for just a little bit of the time that we have okay i think we have a few minutes sure and just kind of my own you know thoughts of things that i've just i i've i've noticed this effect not just with like mcdonald's cheeseburgers but i've noticed it with a whole lot of other things too um now i thought it was just because of things that i was following or things that i was subscribed to um ever since musk took over twitter and now it's called x um it's really kind of become this real cesspit of kind of Racist, anti-Semitic, homophobic things. Um, that's all over the place. Um, the the QAnon and Pizzagate conspiracy theories have really just exploded on there. It's almost like it's gone completely to the other side of what it was before, where it was much more of a left-wing place. Mm-hmm. It's now become a variantly right-wing place because I feel like Musk, I don't know if he really understands what he's doing or he's doing it purposely. It doesn't matter because this is what it has become. And I I see these things a lot. I see, um, you know, videos of uh, places. There's one account that shows all these videos of like these stores and they never tell you really where they are. Usually Mm -hmm. they say it's in California, but it could be anywhere. Um, they'll tell you that it's, uh, these people that go in and they're most of the time they're most of the time it's painting African-Americans as thieves and these type of things going in and raiding these stores. And you see these videos a lot now on X 
And at least I do. And I thought that I was just maybe seeing it because my algorithms mm-hmm. were kind of weirdly going to this. But a lot of other people have told me that that's really yeah. kind of what it's become. Yeah. Um, so you see these things, these like, um, you know, raids on stores. And of course, people say, well, I would I would shoot them for stealing, you know, stuff mm-hmm. in the store. And um, and then you see like, you know, pictures of like tent cities. And then like, there are homeless issues and real homeless issues in this country i mean that's very true mm-hmm. there's um there's a there's a homeless camp close to where i work you know and it is an issue and people do see this and people are well, who they're they're not going to blame their local officials which are probably the people that they should blame for the problems mm-hmm. what they're going who they're going to blame is usually the president and usually they're going to say well if we're going to solve this problem, we need to have Trump back. And that's that's mm-hmm. the real danger of all of this. Okay? And basically, the mentality has become, when you see a, a $16, you know, value meal for a double quarter pounder with cheese at McDonald's, well, obviously, that's Biden's fault, and we need to elect a fascist government in this country because mm-hmm. I, I need my, my cheeseburgers to be much more uh, less expensive. Well, and Biden my bacon prob- double cheeseburgers. He probably even went behind the scenes, and he specifically targeted the Big Mac meal. He probably did. With his goal to harm as many people Well, it was a possible. double quarter pounder, but through the telephone game of the internet, it became right. a Big Mac. So right. that becomes the hashtag, right? In a oh, while expensive, it'll be a, expensive Big Mac. In a while, it'll be a bag of fries for 16 So these are some things that I... And, and also, they didn't tell you what size fry they got. They yeah. might have gotten a... They might have gotten a large fry. Or a mop bucket. That might have... Or a huge bucket. So these are some things that I just... Some points that I wanted to make. Uh... So social media, and and in this article they focus on TikTok, but you could say easily to say the same mm-hmm. thing about Facebook. You can say the same thing about X. Uh, you can say yeah. the same thing about any other social media platform. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they're setting the narrative. It's a manipulation of reality, and it's also a hyper reality. In other words, it's all it's all hyperbolized. It's mm-hmm. all blown out of proportion. It's it's to make it look like we are facing the most imminent disaster as possible. Okay, uh, and there's a narrative, especially on X. I've noticed this, um, formerly known as Twitter, that the country is falling apart. That it's declining mm-hmm. under Biden specifically. Now, the country may actually be falling apart. It may actually be declining, but it might not be because of Biden or the Democrats or anything else. But this is what they want you to believe politically. Okay, so there's a political narrative that is being discussed here and being created. I I Uh, would say that the falling apart of the country probably happened right after the pilgrims landed on Plymouth (laughs) Well, if you you really want to go that far, then we can go I'd say it started going downhill after that. So... uh, this is the role of a lot of this is the role of some of these accounts, like I mentioned before, but then you also have these influencers and you're going to see them a lot more on something like TikTok than you would see on, on X. But what I notice on X, cause that's probably what I'm on most of the time. I don't really mm-hmm. post anything other than it's about my podcast or the conference or whatever. I don't really get involved in these fights or these issues, but they say, you know, you have these influences that, that people that are fake, 
I've noticed this, that they potentially really don't believe in the political worldview that they're propagating. Do yeah. they really believe what they're saying? Do they really believe in any of this stuff? Um, it, it seems that what they're really doing is like this has become their job. So they're told, well, you're going to get this many hits. You'll get probably you'll get this money from who knows from where, from from a think tank, from yeah. a foreign country, which we know happens. Internet research uh, agency. Right. Anything, anything like that, that you're going to get this money and you, you don't, then you, guess what? You don't have to work a normal job. You can just post this. Mm-hmm. But all you have to do is just undermine society. And put put doubt into people's minds, and uh, sow these seeds, and push all these weird theories. Post PizzaGate stuff. Post QAnon stuff. Uh, post about how the country is falling apart. And um, now, you the know, younger people I know that are involved in this aren't sometimes always ideologues. They are nihilistic people who see it as a big joke. Right. And they, to them, their yeah. enjoyment is seeing. How much influence they can well, have by? Okay, so uh, I mean, uh, you know, case, case in point, there's there's one person on there that's actually here in Nashville uh, that posts all kinds of stuff, and I find it really super hard to believe that he actually believes anything that he's posting. Yeah, and there's been some exposés on this particular person about where they're getting the money from, where this, you know, it's become more lucrative to post this right wing stuff. Because before, when it was right wing talk radio, it was more lucrative to be on that when, than it was the, the, yeah. than than it is to be uh, on a talk radio from the other side. So it's more it's more lucrative. People, it's more eyeballs fall onto this stuff. Um, another case in point that I want to mention: I saw this one thing where this this girl, well, young woman, probably in her thirties, really, was talking about how you know she was really regretful that um, she didn't have this traditional life and that she didn't get married and that she didn't have kids. And, and this is one of these things that that she, she films in her car and, you know, and I watch this thing and I'm thinking to myself, does she really, or is this just for hits? Is this just for likes? Because she knows that this is something that trends. Is this really sincere? But it's put on the internet as if it is sincere. Another thing that I've noticed is that you'll see these, um, you know, I've seen these these footage. I saw just recently footage of this of, on this um, this site. I don't follow this. It just pops up on my feed. You know, it's mm-hmm. like anti-white hate or something like that. And apparently, you have like like there was this footage of a of a convenience store where this guy this this white guy gets shot by this black guy. Okay. And they say, well, this is happening in America. Mm-hmm. Like, we're going to have to separate. We need to Ep- separate epidemic. the ra- races in America. Well, guess what? This didn't actually happen in America. This happened in Brazil. It has nothing to do with America. And I see this all the time where you have this video with no context. Right. And they say it's America. But guess what? It happened in some other country. Mm-hmm. But it feeds our biases. But it feeds our biases. And he gets people worked up, and no, and every, and most people are too lazy, mm-hmm. are too busy to go look at it, and they'll be like, "Oh man, you know, that's the, you know." Mm-hmm. And and so this, 
this is the environment that we live in. You know, it's funny. I've been, for a certain reason, been studying some religious doomsday cults recently and trying to draw a line from where they go into religious prophetic literature enthusiasts and cross the line into hands-on doomsday cult. But what I gather from what you're saying is even the secularist and broader community is becoming one big doomsday cult. Because this talk that this society yeah. is going down in the crap. It's constant, it's constant doom. And it's dire measures I mean, have to be made. I mean, that's that's doomsday there, cult thinking. There's a, to, there's a term for this. People say they call it doom scrolling. Yeah, you right. You just sit there right. and you just scroll through the most negative stuff. And I mean, I'm guilty of it myself. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I've done it myself. Where you just sit there and you're just like, oh man, everything's falling apart, you know. Yeah. And, and 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 you feel this weird sense of comfort because you're in your little room, you know, scrolling through this, mm-hmm. and like, oh, nothing's going to touch me. It's a very weird feeling. But when you can kind of step out of that and see that, like, a lot of this is just it's it's just really designed to get people to really kind of just hate each other. Yeah. And it's does it's designed to uh, for a political means as well and we fall for it and there's people profiteering on it yep so where does the responsibility fall the responsibility falls on the people who have those little machines in their hand right and and these people that propagate this stuff they say that they are the resistance they say they're the good guys i'm gonna say tell you right Mm now if anybody tells you they're the good guys you need to run the other way Mm -hmm. oh i was gonna tell them i was a good guy i guess i'll withhold that comment here on this show yeah um, Except for Doctor Future, but, yeah, uh, that's a, a good big, exception. Good Corollary, that's right. You can trust me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, just to add further to that story, to put it in a little bit of context, back to the old inflation story. Um, this is this is my grandpa, me story. Back when I bought my first house in 1989, which was an old 1970 ranch with 1,500 square feet. And, Sort of sad looking, but it didn't have an attached garage. It was a huge step up from where I came from. I mean, it would never qualify for a starter home today, but man, it was so much better than what I what I'd had. And the mortgage on it had a ten and a half percent interest rate. Okay, that was the going rate at the time. Yeah. Well, I was thrilled two years later when I could refinance it at eight and a half percent. So even with the fifteen year loan I took, which was not common then and the subsequent seven-year loan that I refinanced it with, even with that, almost the whole payment was interest. But I was able to pay off the house in seven years because you can do it. If, you're not, if you don't become just a consumer culture person, you don't have to have a 5 $6 cup of coffee and 20 subscriptions and things. All that stuff adds up. And back then, we didn't have a lot of that stuff. I guess that made it easier. Uh, in our parents' era, house loans were not longer than seven years, period. And thus, the home prices came down to accommodate them. People, You know, it's supply and demand. People only have so much money. If they have to pay it off in seven years, then the house price has to come down to have them afford it. Well, uh, and our parents didn't have mortgages later on when their kids were older and maybe getting ready for college. So all that stuff didn't overlap. Now, at the same time, during a very brief time, I had a roommate just before I bought my house, and he bought a bigger house for his wife. He was transferring into town, and they had to take out a 40-year loan 
at the time. And it really makes me wonder if these loans will even get longer in the future and basically just become like renting again. Well, I mean, 30 years is basically the, the norm, as I understand Oh, it it's now. the norm. Yeah. It's the norm, but there's going to be ones that are going to be longer term if they're going to yeah. keep prices up. But people are going to have to realize, you know, having a car with air conditioning was, I considered a luxury growing up that maybe when I got old, I could have a car with air conditioning, you know, or one that I didn't have to keep pouring oil in or whatever. And people are going to have to take charge of their lives with what they read, with what they're told to buy, with what their status is, the kind of clothes that they buy, how they worry about how people perceive them and their fashion or whatever else they, or trinkets they have or whatever. I'm talking about all of us. All of us have our weaknesses. But we're going to have to take charge of our lives uh, to deal with this. And, by the way, I think the interest rate for the year finally came out at 3.2% CPI. Now, What's interesting is when you look at the outliers, and if our political officials had something useful to do, if they would target college tuition, which is grossly overcharged because of probably all the government loan and grant money, and also uh, medical expenses, neither of those are anywhere close to that general interest number. Both of those are... Obscene. And those are worthy of our focused attention. Yeah. Well, this has been a long segment. So, uh, do you have anything, final thoughts before we close this? No, I think that just like in the basic thing of the article, just so it's not misunderstood, that what they're talking about is that inflation seems to be doing better, but that's not the message that is being put out. Most people don't understand that or get that because they pay more attention to social media about $16 cheeseburgers and they actually pay attention to the actual news. And, and I think that the, the way I package the lame, it... They, they don't pay uh, attention to the lamestream media. Well, yes. When this information comes our way, we have to remind ourselves, this stranger and their strangers that are coming to us don't have an obligation to convey truth to us. What they're trying to do is to sell us something. They're trying to sell us an idea. We have to decide... How much truth is in that idea? And the the onus falls on us to vet the information to see if it's just an idea that's being sold for somebody's benefit or some elements of truth to it. But expect as much of the selling or more than the truth. It's like attorneys. You can hear attorneys, when they get their time to, to represent their defendant, they will make an argument for why their uh, you know person did what they did and it usually sounds preposterous, but there'll be people in the jury who say, well, you know, I guess they, they said this possibly could have been what they did. And you have to remind yourself, wait a minute, that person's job is not to tell you the truth of what happened. Their job is to make a pitch to you of something in the interest of their parties. You have to decide, does that really ring of truth or not? Yeah. So you're going to have to take ownership of reality. So to wrap this up, Speaking of inflation, I felt obligated to find a song pertaining to the topic of inflation for our music for meditation. I did find a funky selection by a little-known artist known as Ernest Jackson and Sugar Daddy and the Gumbo Roo. This song, called Inflation, was recorded in 1975, which was a time of rising and extreme inflation and general malaise. And if you want to know what a how sad a year like 1974, which is my least favorite, is... Watch reruns of the TV show Lots of Luck. 
it'll really get you depressed. Uh, but this song was not released until 2022, which was sort of a slight delay on rollout. So enjoy the song, Inflation, and then we'll be back to the Two Spies Report. You know, with the food and rent going up daily, man, it's becoming a day-to-day housing just to survive. You see, inflation and taxation has taken over our great nation. People, stop what you're doing and listen to what I have to say. Inflation is in the nation and it's about to put us all away. I can see a depression coming on, but like most of you, I hope that I'm wrong. With the money they pay, to live on, how long can it carry on? I said, inflation, why don't you get out the nation? Foreign relation, it's bad communication. The starvation was already in the land, and even then, poor people can stand a chance. Spaz Report for this month's live surveillance field report, along with our friend, Agent Adam Sain. Good to be back. Uh, well, uh, I will have to tell you in our last report when you were with us, you reprimanded me about mentioning the $5 cup of coffee. I know that's uh, sacred talk. <laughs> you do that's fighting words to anyone under a certain age. So, but you know, what, I, have, I have no skin in the fight. What just, this show is to, about is all I'm of our giving, sacred cows. Just giving you a hard time. And if you if you worship the designer coffee, then we reckon. But we should all recognize that that we all have now, that in pumpkin, our lives. Pumpkin spice is done. So, uh huh. Now you're more of the international coffees variety, right? Like the General Foods International. 
Uh, listeners to this show over the last number of months know how they excruciatingly, excruciatingly have had to listen to my droning contemporary field reports on the growing scandal of Tim Ballard and Underground Railroad and the entire circle of players in their sphere of the spreading anti-child trafficking mania that is swept in a large part of conservative evangelicals as their devout supporters, either unaware or uncaring of the corruption and perversion now exposed within its own ranks. Well, this week will give listeners a break to cleanse their palates from that weekly narrative that I have shared since this past August, and started, I might add, by a story that you shared before that time about a new conspiracy of theater owners allegedly sabotaging the showings of their breakthrough film of their imagined exploits called Sound of Freedom. Yeah, which everyone has forgotten all about this. Yes. However, I am going to mention a conservative media player and group now, not often cited, but really a top-tier player in conservative and religious right media and generator of another gospel of the type I cite in my last book, Two Masters and Two Gospels and in effect provides its own Church of the Airwaves of sorts for many in the religious right. Ironically, it's lit by an Orthodox Jew, Dennis Prager, who primarily coddles evangelical Christians, even though their respective religious beliefs would put them at direct odds with each other in what NASCAR driver Darrell Walter would call coopetition, in which they work together in their mutual agendas to conquer others even though they have opposing spiritual foundations, much like they do together in Israel, uh, overbuilding the temple and other apocalyptic agendas of both sides there, albeit with unspoken opposed agenda once all that comes about. In the case of Prager and his Prager U, however, it does connect to the aforementioned Tim Ballard, as statements of his, as recorded in state investigations and court submissions, allege that he claimed recently that PragerU had offered him a slot as a talk show host or similar role with their network. Hmm. Evidently, PragerU is one of such organizations in conservative media that is growing at a rapid pace. Ministry Watch published on November 8th the story about their recent meteoric growth, which includes the following, quote, The Prager University Foundation, more commonly known as PragerU, was founded in 2010 and has multiplied rapidly over the last few years. Founded by Dennis Prager and Alan Estrin, the nonprofit organization, quote, promotes American values through the creative use of educational videos that reach millions of people online, unquote. In 2017, its revenue was about $10 million. Last year, it topped $65 million in revenue. According to its financials, in 2022, it had $77 million in net assets. PragerU is not a Christian ministry, but it appeals to many evangelical Christians because its content counters many left-wing talking points. The Dennis Prager Show, hosted by the PragerU founder, is broadcast on the Salem Radio Network, a media company that supports many Christian radio stations and programming. Prager, an Orthodox Jew, uh, wrote in a 2014 article in the Jewish Journal about his affinity with Christians. Over the last 20 years, I have probably spent as much time with evangelical Christians as with fellow Jews. 
in private settings, speaking at churches, on listener cruises, and in my home and in their homes, he said. Additionally, the Los Angeles Times reported in 2019 that PragerU was primarily funded by Dan and Ferris Wilkes, billionaire brothers from Texas who were involved in the fracking industry. Ferris Wilkes leads a church called the Assembly of Yahweh in Cisco, Texas. Ministry Watch reached out multiple times to PragerU to ask about its relationships with evangelical Christians and its plans for the future, but received no reply. PragerU may be most well-known for its five-minute videos hosted by conservative experts, often about newsworthy topics, but has added short documentaries, interviews, and children's programming. Its content has been approved for use in school classrooms in Florida and Oklahoma. Mm. According to its annual report, PragerU content is watched 5 million times daily, and over the course of the year, more than 26 million unique visitors visited the group's website. Big part of society. PragerU CEO is Marissa Strait, whose annual salary is $978,000. Estrin is executive director and paid $327,000. In the Ministry Watch database, PragerU gets a one-star financial efficiency rating, a D, transparency grade, and a donor confidence score of 63, meaning one should give with caution. Because it's not a Christian ministry, it cannot be a member of the Evangelical Council for Financial Accountability. Well, the Los Angeles Times article they cite from August 23, 2019, does give some further tidbits of which we only have time for a few. Los Angeles-based Prager University, a registered charity, is legally permitted from, uh, prohibited from politicking. It isn't truly a university and doesn't have a campus. But the digital empire created by Dennis Prager, a 71-year-old conservative radio host and erstwhile never-Trumper, is having more success rallying young people to Trump's side than many campaign committees aligned with the president. This is in 2019. The concise videos PragerU launches onto the internet every week to indoctrinate and motivate conservatives have been watched more than 2 billion times, according to the group's count. PragerU consistently spends more on Facebook advertising than major political campaigns and national advocacy groups. It ranks amongst the 10 biggest political spenders on the platform. Its videos are becoming a staple on college campuses where Prager is dead set on overturning liberal orthodoxy. PragerU boasts that thousands of college and high school teachers screen its videos in their classrooms. Prager himself has limited affection for Trump. He compares his support for the president to the alliance, get this, President Franklin Roosevelt had brokered with Joseph Stalin in World War II, a move born of necessity in the face of what he sees as a bigger evil, in this case, the left. They are straightforward five-minute lectures in which a diverse array of stars from various segments of the ideological right rip into pillars of the left. Multiculturalism, climate action, equal pay, Medicare for all, gun control, gay rights. Despite Prager's reservation about Trump, the the videos tend to echo the president's grievances. Like Trump, many of them brand most mainstream news as deceitful. And with Trump, uh, Prager used critics say that it's sometimes selective with facts. 
The Southern Poverty Law Center warns that several PragerU videos, such as the one arguing that black Americans are coddled by society, function as dog whistles to the extreme right. The Weather Channel branded PragerU's challenges to global warming a course in climate misinformation. After watching a few PragerU videos, Princeton University historian Kevin Cruz, someone who I have used extensively in my writings, tweeted that they were utterly wrong on the facts. Now, there's much more I want to talk about this very interesting church that these billionaires who are bankrolling major political campaigns right now, they're, they're extreme kind of views, and you're going to find it really interesting, but that'll wait for another day. That's another edition of the Two Spies Report. So good back to have you back, Agent Adam. And I hope it's we can get back. you back next month around the end of the year, if possible. Um, can you tell your audience how they can check out your popular podcast, Conspiranormal? Well, they can find it on anywhere there, there are podcasts. We are on Apple uh, Podcasts. We are on Spotify. We are everywhere you can find podcasts. So. And there's plenty to choose from. Find, you'll find some topic you like. Yep. Pl- please send any comments about the show or questions at twospiesreport at gmail.com. T-W-O-S-P-I-E-S report at gmail.com. Please join us back here at 5 p.m. Central each Thursday at Radio Free Nashville, WRFN at 107.1 and 103.7 on the dial, or streaming live online at radiofreenashville.org. See you next Thursday at 5. Until then, keep exploring like the two spies, assessing and staying positive, and be willing to stand against the crowd. Good evening. Walking down the road with the good book in my hand Telling all my friends about the promised land Of the joy they'll find there and the peace of mind Telling all my brothers